This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Well, he, he, I know he's talked to Andre. I have not talked to him. He's uh, been sending back videos of uh, his workouts, and, you know, they're very, very impressive. So we're excited to get him back on the field. Um, you know, he's he, he's a great team guy. He's a terrific player, and um, he's one of the, the best people that I've been around in, in professional football. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. And welcome to a Reckless Speculation Thursday edition of Mackie and Judd. Uh, gentlemen, we played that clip off the top. It was Mike Zimmer in his in his sort of like mid off season pre pre draft press conference. Let's get our guy in here, Darren Doogie Wolfson from the Scoop Podcast, which you can find on scorenorth.com, Apple, and Spotify. Uh, inside information about your favorite local sports teams. He's also part of the Five Eyewitness News sports team. So Doogie, I mean, you came on this show and you reported that Mike Zimmer and Daniel Hunter had a conversation. I can tell based on my poker background when someone touches their face in the middle of a sentence, it means that they might be lying. And when Mike Zimmer said, I mean, I, I haven't talked to him at all. I don't know what you guys are talking about, but uh, Andre has been talking to him and he's been sending all these videos over. Um, is he, is that Mike Zimmer saying, Doogie, you were wrong and you don't know what I do in my personal life. Or uh, what did you what did you make of of him essentially going out of his way to say, oh, I haven't I haven't talked to Neil Hunter. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Good morning, gentlemen. Happy opening day. Happy April Fool's Day. Is it possible that the person who told me that lied to me? Yes, that happens in this business, right? Is it also possible that Mike Zimmer doesn't always tell us the truth? Go back many months. A tweak, right? It was a tweak. Nothing more than that with Daniil Hunter going back to when August, right? So we're not always told exactly what is taking place. I still stick by everything else I said. Whether it was Zim and Hunter directly communicating, maybe it was just text messages, Andre Patterson and Hunter surely communicating, that the Vikings know, A, they need to take care of him, and B, I foresee that eventually happening, and C, I'll add, I don't foresee a scenario, at least right now, where the Vikings trade Daniil Hunter. I see Daniil Hunter as a member of the Vikings. On those videos, Daniil has been training down in the Scottsdale, Arizona area at Exos. Ellerson Smith is a Minneapolis South kid. He's from northern Iowa. He's a draft prospect. I've been talking to him. He told me, because he trains down there, that Daniil looks 
fantastic. Others who train at Exos have said, no surprise. I mean, he's put some of the pictures on his Instagram, some of his social media accounts. I mean, he's Herculean, right? I mean, he's he's Hercules, right? I mean, just the way he is put together. I mean, as physically put together as as any NFL player there is. So he looks great, and I see him helping the Vikings defense here in 2021. I think it's probably fair to say that, that whoever talked to him uh, from the Vikings told him, don't be so upset. We'll take care of you. We'll we'll try and get you a little bit more for uh, 2020, Dukes, but we'll certainly readjust your contract accordingly. And so that's the key. I mean, if you talk to Mike or not, that's fine. Who cares? I think the most important thing is is he was basically told, Calm down. It's going to be fine. You will not continue to be as far down the chart when it comes to salary structure of elite pass rush ends as you are right now. So if it was Mike, if it was Brzezinski, if it was Rick, that's really not the point. The point is they have definitely tried to um, smooth things over a bit with him to make him understand that showing up for training camp is probably the best thing for all parties involved. 100%. He is not one who draws attention to himself. He doesn't enjoy the spotlight. But yeah, when you are now, what, the 20th or 21st highest paid rush, you know, end edge rusher. I mean, yes, they know he needs to be taken care of. They took care of Adam Thielen with multiple years left in his contract. So even though Daniil signed an incredibly team-friendly contract, and it does have three years left in his deal, and he is coming off a season in which he didn't play, they realize they need to take care of one of their star players. He's as important to their 2021 success as almost anyone. Certainly not the quarterback, but when ranking you know, guys in terms of importance, you know, when thinking about Zimmer and Spielman's future, when we talk one year from now, will Zimmer still be the Vikings coach? Will Rick Spielman still be the Vikings general manager? Daniil Hunter will have a lot to do with that this upcoming year. So yeah, I foresee them taking care of him. Nothing is imminent. You know, it might be August or late July, but yeah, I think something will eventually happen. Doogie, I'm just making a list here, just trying to figure out, all right, what is the, what's the current pool of Vikings offensive linemen? And so you've got, you got Rashad Hill, Brian O'Neill, Ole Udo, sort of your tackle Ben, Ezra Cleveland in your guard tackle Ben, Garrett Bradbury is your starting center. Uh, Mason Cole, Dakota Dozier just re-signed, and Vikings Twitter exploded a couple days ago. Do you think that the five-man starting offensive line is going to come out of the group that they currently have as of today, or do you think they still make a move? And and by the way, like they still have a first-round pick, and they still have some money to spend in free agency. Um, or do you think there are still names out there via draft and free agency that could be starters along the offensive line this year? 100% the latter, Phil. The current five or current eight or whatever they have under contract at the moment, mix and match those guys however you want. I don't see any of those five being the five-man unit come week one in early September. So, yeah, whether it's the draft with 11 draft picks or it's still a free agent out there, a forced lamp type, you know, or, you know, I mean, we've talked about the idea of maybe kicking Brian O'Neill. You need to pay him anyway. By the way, I'm Brian O'Neill. No extension talks yet. So Brian O'Neill is entering the final year of his contract. The Vikings love him. They plan on taking care of him, but there haven't been any contractual extension talks quite yet. But they could shift. Judd brought this up a couple weeks ago, shifting Brian O'Neill 
over to left tackle. It's something they've kicked around internally going back a couple of years, even though I know they love him at right tackle. But if you did that, then you could look at a Mitchell Schwartz type, you know, sitting there at 14, especially now it looks like for sure five quarterbacks go above 14. That will push a guy or two down if they don't want to move down from 14. Orlando Brown Jr. is still sitting there, right? Like, I don't know if the Vikings are still heavily engaged on that front. I don't have a strong sense that that they're talking daily with Baltimore. But as long as Orlando Brown Jr. is still sitting there and he hasn't been moved to, say, Jacksonville, that's yet another name. Now, he would be left tackle, and O'Neal then would stick at right tackle. But, yeah. They are going to do more. Now, I was curious if they were in on the Minnesota State Mankato product, Chris Reed. You know, decent interior offensive lineman has starting experience. He is off this morning to the Indianapolis Colts. I am told the Vikings were not interested in Reed. They do look for, even though I think they're open-minded to to a number of guys, I did have somebody tell me the other day that that they really do focus on, and there's different ways to, to, to define this, but they really love length. However you want to define length. I mean, maybe it's wingspan, reach, but they love length with their interior offensive linemen. So when looking at – yeah, you know me. I'm Mr. Inner Football, but but I'm just passing along. Don't don't kill the messenger here. I'm just passing along with somebody who is in the inner football circle told me that, that the Vikings are still heavily focusing on length with their interior offensive linemen more than than the exterior guys, even though they love length with the left tackle and right tackle. Boys, I want to float this out real quick here since we're talking football and and we're and we're dishing out inside information about our local sports teams. Tom Pelissero, I think, is at the go for pro day right now. Multiple scouts had Rashad Rashad Bateman just ran a forty. Four three nine forty for Rashad Bateman. Well you know what? Four three nine forty. Which is fantastic. The goal was four three seven or less. So while he came incredibly Failure. close, Failure. I think he would tell XFL, you. XFL, here I come. Now, he talked to us <laughs> yesterday, you know, so I don't know if he'll, if he'll do anything today, although I may end up connecting with Rashad tomorrow on, on something separate, but I can bring that up if I do, that I, I know for sure, because he put it out there where he was training. I think he's also a, an Exos guy down in Arizona that, that he put out there on social media a couple weeks ago that, that he ran a 4.37. Now, it's hard to really verify that when, when scouts weren't there, but I just know, I can tell you from somebody close to Rashad, the goal this morning was for him to run a 4.37 or less. But that being said, 4.39 is incredible. Now, he measured in shorter than I thought. Like the Gopher football website listed him for the last couple of years as six foot two. He came in at six feet and three eighths inches. So he's shorter. Than I thought he was listed at 200 and something pounds. He weighs in at 190 pounds. He is still a late first or early second round pick. He didn't hurt himself today, but with Jamar Chase of LSU putting on a show the other day with the two Alabama kids, like it's going to be hard for Bateman to, to jump over any of those three. The kid from Florida is really special. So I think he has a chance to be one of the top five or six receivers off the board. But that being said, like, if he's the fourth or fifth receiver off the board, that's like late first, early second. The Titans general manager, by the way, is on campus right now. So is the Packers general manager. Rick Spielman has not been spotted. 31 teams. 31. So 31 of the 32. The Rams haven't been going to, to many pro days. So the Rams, I'm told, are not there. But every other team has at least one scout over on campus right now. So Bateman short and slow. That's just great. 
Hey, <laughs> he's going to be good. And they used him different ways. Yep. It didn't always work in the, what, four or five games he played in 2020, but they lined him up inside. Yeah, so he can, he can at least, he can play a little bit inside. I wouldn't he play certainly inside. can play outside. Yes. He is an elite route runner. I think Rashad Bateman yes. is going to be a really good pro. Like somebody oh, yeah. is going to be incredibly happy with the Packers GM there. And Jed, I think I told you this when, when we recorded on Tuesday, mm-hmm. the Tuesday scoop, that it's inevitable the Packers are not skipping on taking a receiver like they did last year. The Packers, <laughs> the Packers are taking that. a receiver this year. I'd love to see Rashad Bateman in Green Bay. On left tackle. Reckless speculation. So here's here's my working theory as far Dukes and Phil and Dex at, at that uh, position, okay? I think they have at least three options that they are exploring. And one is definitely O'Neal going from the right side to the left side. And Dukes, it makes perfect sense that he is not engaged in uh, contract talks yet because if he's truly going to go and play left tackle in 2021, why would I sign for a right tackle payday? Like, I'm not going to sign a five-year contract to be a good right tackle if I'm going to protect Kirk's blind side. So and his value and, and his value, like if he goes from right tackle to left tackle, his right tackle value is locked. Like he, it, it's it's only added value to oh, go left tackle for hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, I mean, look at Orlando Brown Jr. Right? I mean, he played what left tackle? Right? Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, it's not like I, I he do wants to play left tackle. But he played right tackle. Well, yeah, he's a right tackle. Yes, and, and then shifted the left tackle when Ronnie Stanley went down. But I'm talking in in Oklahoma in college. Yep. Orlando Brown Jr. was a left tackle, but yeah. He was a right tackle, but now because he has good film on tape, you know, from from the end of last year when Stanley went down, yep. if you're Orlando Brown Jr. and his agency, you're like, hey, this is a left tackle. You're going to have to pay him as a left tackle. And that's the problem there. I, I think that that the Vikings like him a lot, and I think that they would love to trade for him. And I think the actual terms of the trade are a decent possibility. But I think the problem is what Dukes j- just said, which is he's going to show up and say – I have to be paid uh, like a good left tackle at this point, and there's probably going to be um, some trepidation, especially for a salary cap uh, strapped team. The last one is a guy like Okung who's still out there on the market and is sitting there, and he doesn't have to play for nothing, but he's not going to get a huge payday. So I really do think that when it comes to uh, protecting Kirk Cousins' blindside, we're probably talking about multiple possibilities here, uh, which is why it's not going to shock me if the possibility of O'Neal going from the right to left side does become the reality because I don't know that the Vikings can afford to or will pay the people that they would have to if they brought in Okung or made the trade for Orlando Brown Jr. and then had to immediately give him a pretty sizable contract. Last point off of that, especially if they told Daniil Hunter, they'll take care of him. Like, at some point well, in time, you, you can't yeah. pay everybody. No, and, I mean, they want Harrison Smith here long-term, too, yeah. as he enters the final year of his deal. Now, they could eventually rework his contract and, and lower his 2021 cap number, but talks haven't gone anywhere, and there haven't been any recent talks. There have been talks, but there haven't been any recent talks. Villanueva is another name. The former Steelers starting left tackle, he's another name that – Put it this way, at this point in free agency, as, as the calendar now flips to April, 
we're, we're at a point where, where a lot of agents are reaching out to the Vikings, right? So it's not the Vikings necessarily initiating talks. It's agents searching out teams that, that make logical sense for their clients to, to try to get their clients paid, right? To get them a job. So agents know that the Vikings still have a glaring need specifically at left tackle. So I can promise you go to, you know, whatever website you want to over the cap or, or any website that lists all the free agent left tackles, the guys that are still on the board. I can promise you, look at all those names. The agents for those names have reached out to the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. More scoops here in just a second. A quick shout out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. So Federated, we thank them for being a longtime partner of Mackie and Judd and also Purple Daily. Uh, Federated has uh, has been very supportive of us over the years, and we would love it if local business owners would uh, would check out all the materials and resources that they have for you. They've been around since the early 1900s in Owatonna, Minnesota, and they help business owners with peace of mind and risk management. They have all kinds of tools and all kinds of expertise that can help your business reach another level of success. Find out more about also my shield which is uh, recently launched and available to uh, to find more information about on federatedinsurance.com or the app and remember at federated it's our business to protect yours um unless you have any other little vikings nuggets i i i, I personally am just very fascinated by ben johnson's first couple weeks in uh, in his role as gophers coach i love dugs that he reportedly reached out to chet holmgren I mean, Chet Holmgren's probably going to Gonzaga, and the more Gonzaga gets uh, closer to a national title, like it's just a great spot to vault into the NBA. But shoot your shot, man. So what else can you tell us about Ben Johnson's first couple weeks taking over for Richard Pitino? Well, I'll get to Ben in a second, but let me add one more thing on the Vikings. So Kyle Trask, the Florida quarterback, had a good pro day yesterday. I'm told that there's, there's mutual interest, put it that way. The Vikings have those 11 draft picks. I don't think they wait until the seventh round again to, to take a quarterback. I, I think they, they end up taking a quarterback higher than that. Now, By the way, I just real quick, real quick. Yeah. Zimmer, Zimmer basically told – Zimmer can't help himself. Yesterday he was asked about the backup quarterbacks, <laughs> and he's like, oh, Mannion, I love Mannion, and I love the other two guys that I don't even know their names. But, like, yeah, I see him at practice once in a while. He goes, without telling you guys – I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, without telling you guys what's going to happen, there are other options, which is his way of saying – we're going to draft a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, and I think they do. And, and he's just one of, of a handful of names. I mean, they had – it was either Janoko or, or Clint Kubiak at Texas A&M Pro Day the other day for, for Kellen Mond. There's a kid from Wake Forest, Newman. There's, there's a bunch of guys. There's a kid from Stanford. Those are all names to, to do some yeah. homework on. In fact, I'm connecting with – remember the name J.T. O'Sullivan? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Great He is now – yeah, so he's a he's a high school coach in the San Diego area, but he does YouTube clips. He does breakdowns. Dude, he's he's of got these a prospects. great great YouTube channel. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, I'm connecting with JT for a conversation on Monday for that very reason. I just want to hear his insight, his thoughts on the Florida quarterback, on the Stanford quarterback, on the Texas A&M quarterback, on the Wake Forest quarterback, because I do think, and there's more than that. Those are just ones top of my head. But I do think it's it's realistic to think with 11 draft picks that the Vikings, at some point, middle rounds, are going to take a quarterback. Go for hoops. Yeah, go, let's do golfs. Go ahead. Yeah, so on go for hoops, I'm with you, Phil. I mean, shoot your shot, right? Yeah, I don't foresee him landing Chet Holmgren. It's just, put it this way. So, so there's a kid named Joe Hurlbert from Enderlin, North Dakota. And Patino had been working him pretty good, or one of Patino's assistants. 
the Gophers had a decent chance, but Colorado offered him first. This was like two years ago. Earlier this week, Joe committed to Colorado. Now, Ben Johnson tried. Ben Johnson reached out to Joe, but like impossible to make up two years worth of ground in one long phone conversation. So Ben wasn't surprised that Joe committed elsewhere. So it's just, it's really hard to make up ground in this short a window. But yeah, go ahead and try on, on Chet. He looked fantastic yesterday. Mini Haha Academy moving on to next week's 3A semifinals. They beat Byron. Byron High School, south of here, has a kid by the name of Ajani Lee, stud junior. Ben Johnson has connected with him. He has a Gophers offer. He also has a Kansas offer. Ben has been on the phone so much. He's talked to Race Thompson multiple times. Parker Fox, the Matamidi kid, now has a Gophers offer. Ohio State and Creighton also won him, but I think the Gophers have a decent chance to land the big-time Division II transfer from Northern State. He landed Jamison Battle earlier this week. He's been talking to Ish Elamin, that's Khalid Elamin's son, who played at Hopkins High School. There's other 2022 kids he's he's talked to. Cam Heidi of Wyzetta, Trey Holloman of Creighton Durham Hall. Ben Johnson has taken a lot of phone calls from ex-gophers. Kevin McHale, Dan Munson, his former coach, reached out to him. I'm told Richard Patino has been an excellent resource so far for Ben Johnson. They have had multiple conversations. Uh, who else? Did I mention Bobby Jackson and Kevin McHale and Ryan oh. Saunders and J.B. Bickerstaff and Michael Thompson and Blake Hoffarber and Daniel Oturu and Richard Coffey and Amir Coffey and Townsend Orr? The list is endless. Like, I could sit here for three minutes spewing off former Gophers names who have connected with Ben Johnson, who really feel galvanized by this hire. By the way, uh, we should uh, have... I'll give you one more. Yeah. Ariel McDonald uh, and I talked to, he speaks very highly of Ben Johnson as well. So add There's a lot of people list. willing to do whatever they, they can, you know, obviously within the rules, but whatever they can do to help Ben, that they are going to to help him. I think we'll have some news, at least some news on, on his staff here pretty quick. Dave Thorson, his high school coach at DeLaSalle, assistant coach at Colorado State. Dave is certainly a name to keep an eye on. Hey, Dukes, on, on Ben and Patino, how, how did that end? Because I think that the if you're a Gopher fan or watched the team when Ben was an assistant on Richard's staff, you certainly recall Richard seeing to take out his frustrations on Ben quite a bit, and then Ben left. Did that end okay, or was, was there some animosity there by the time that Ben uh, Ben took off for uh, what Xavier, right? Yeah, he went to Xavier. Yeah. yeah, that's a good question, Judd. So if you want to ding him, Declan, that, that's a really good question by Judd. Yeah. I'll say this, Judd, that, that Ben has thick skin, but Richard is not the easiest guy to work for. Right. I mean, you know, there's there's some dictatorship there. I'll also say this much, though. Ben left more so than any other reason because he felt like if you go back the last 20 years – if you look at the associate head coach at Xavier, that guy has gone on to be a head coach. Just go back. Look at the list of names. I mean, their current head coach, Coach Steele, was the associate coach there, right? Just go back. I'm just telling you, if somebody wants to do it, go look at Xavier's coaching staffs from like the mid-90s on. Look at their number one assistant, and then look where, where that guy eventually landed. Like, those guys end up being head coaches. There was a better chance for Ben – to, to leap up to being a head coach, mm-hmm. being at Xavier, than being here at Minnesota. 
Now, maybe that's more perception, but, hey, it turned into, into reality because, hey, Richard Pitino has a decent little coaching tree, right? Like Dan McHale left here at Minnesota. He got the head coaching job at Eastern Kentucky, got fired, and now he's on Pitino's staff in Albuquerque at New Mexico, Ed Conroy. So Ed Conroy, he comes, right? That's Liam Robbins' uncle. Ed Conroy's in the mix to be the Utah State head coach. Now, here's the connection on that. The Utah State athletic director and Ed played college basketball together at the Citadel. I was told they were even roommates. So not only college teammates, but the Utah State athletic director and Ed Conroy for like 30 years had been this close. And and for those just listening, not not watching the the YouTube feed, I've got my my hands locked together. Very I mean, close. Doogie, Doogie, Doogie's they are, hugging himself shirtless yeah, right they now. Are, they are the, the best of friends. Inseparable. So Ed has a chance to get the Utah State job. Like, I thought, I thought, what about Tim Miles? Has Mountain West experience. But Tim Miles isn't even in the mix for that job. So that could be another assistant coach under Patino that ends up being a head coach, although Ed was the head coach at the Citadel and at Tulane going back a bunch of years. But the interesting part on, on Ed is, if he gets the Utah State job, what happens with Liam Robbins? Does Liam leave the Big Ten to go play in the Mountain West? That obviously is a step down. But his uncle is his guy. Liam didn't come here because of Richard Pitino. Liam came here because of his uncle, Ed Conroy. So that would be a situation to keep an eye on. But if you're Liam, like and I can tell you this from, from NBA scouts, they view Liam as an NBA player. Maybe not a lottery pick or anything like that. Maybe not a first-round pick, but but that he has an NBA future. So if you're Liam and you have an NBA future, do you really leave the Big Ten for the Mountain West? But I'm just telling you, that's a situation worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, Doogie, there was a report earlier this week from our guy, Evan Massey, who people always make fun of Evan Massey. He's got a blue check mark on Twitter. His work has been featured on Yahoo, ESPN, Bleacher Report, Forbes, and any number of big publications. And he also floated the notion like two months ago that the Niners and the Vikings were talking about a Kirk Cousins trade, and we think he was right. So people dog Evan Massey here, but Evan Massey tweeted randomly a couple days ago that the Wolves could be headed for major changes in the offseason with both Cat and D'Lo potentially being dealt. Uh, What is your current feeling about where things stand with the Wolves and how much they could shake things up this offseason? I'll say this. I don't know, Evan. Yes, he was spot on on Kirk Cousins and the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan's, you know, interest, you know, love fest, you know, with and for Kirk that that the 49ers would have loved to have Kirk a few years ago. They'd love to have Kirk today. That being said, I, I, I dismiss that, that tweet. I just do, Phil. I mean, D'Angelo and Cat have played together for a total of five games, four games this year. Gerson Rosas is not is not putting those guys in the trade block this summer after we don't have any sort of sustained stretch to fully evaluate how those two can work together. And don't get me wrong, both players have warts, more so Russell, and I'm not convinced that you're going real far if D'Angelo Russell is is your 1B or your number two at 27 or $28 million eating up that much cap space, but that's a different conversation. I don't foresee Gerson Rosas putting either guy on the trade block this summer. The only way it gets to that point with Cat is if he goes to management or his representation goes to management and says, it's time for a change. I've been here now, what, six, seven years. I need to get the heck out of here. I need to go win somewhere else. I've only been an all-star one time. 
That's ridiculous. I've only been all NBA one time. That's ridiculous. Get me the heck out of here. And that may eventually happen. I'm not dismissing uh, that idea, but that hasn't happened yet. And I don't think it happens as soon as this summer. So if you're asking me whether whether I trust what, what Evan Massey put on social media the other day, I do not. I really don't. All right, boys, let's delve into a little bit of this with the Wolves. Reckless speculation. And I want your opinion, Dukes, here. So this Wolves team is changing. And Ant last night against the Knicks in the fourth quarter was fabulous. When he's on, he's on. Um, he clearly leads. Like, guys love him. I, I think Smart player. He's a smart pe- player, too. And people gravitate towards him. Question being this, how is this, how important is it going to be that the Wolves are right about this? And how is this going to shake out internally? Because uh, I can flat out tell you when training camp 2021-22 starts, this is going to be Ant's team. And Cat's going to be on it and he's going to be, he might be the best player, but it's not going to be his team. How is the, how's the stew going to work here? Because there is definitely, I mean, when a 19-year-old kid takes control on and off the court like he does, that to me is a great thing. But how is this going to work out as far as the dynamics go of D'Lo, of Cat, of Ant? Not that they might not have respect there, but this whole notion that it was going to be Cat and D'Lo's team, this is really going to be Ant's team as far as perception goes, in my opinion. Well, I agree with you on on that perception. I wish I had that answer, Judd. Clearly, Cat has been deferring to Ant. That is encouraging. How will D'Lo react? Now, he... He is starting to play some five-on-five, absorbing some contact, but he won't be back like in the next three or four days. We're still looking at a week, maybe two weeks, but he will return this regular season. But remember, they gave us that timeline of four to six weeks in mid-February. That was that was uber-aggressive. He's he's not coming back. Well, it's already done. He's he's not back in, in six weeks. So it's going to be more like, you know, seven to eight to maybe nine weeks, but he'll be back. I'll be curious to see how... How it plays out. D'Angelo loves to dominate the ball. Now, Chris Finch, I talked to Chris one-on-one a few weeks ago. He swears to me that, that there's a lot more playmaking in D'Angelo's game. We haven't seen that playmaking. We know that he can pass the ball, that he's made some really good passes, but that he doesn't do it enough, doesn't really create for others as much as he should. Chris Finch feels like that's there. So it's on Finch to, to unearth that part of D'Angelo's game, but then it's on D'Angelo to, to embrace what Chris is is coaching him to do. So I'll be fascinated to see how that plays out. But I'm with you. This this is Anthony Edwards' team. The the numbers in March, 24 points a game, just absurd. 19 years old. Let me remind everybody, he doesn't turn 20 until early August, August 5th, 19. Like Jaden McDaniels will turn, who's fantastic. And, you know, just for comparison's sake, because Jaden has been absurd, right? But Jaden turns 21 in early to mid-September. So, like, Jaden is 11 months older than Anthony Edwards. LaMelo Ball, by the way, same age as Anthony Edwards for, for another comparison. But, like, let's let's see how this thing, you know, plays out. Like, no summer league, right? No, no extended preseason, no extended training camp. It's just been a really weird year in so many different ways. And Anthony Edwards has, has still starred in so many ways. Now, Phil... I will take exception with you suggesting he's he's a smart player. I think there's some smarts there. I think that maturation will take place as he turns 20, 21, and 22. I just think with his shot selection and, and some of the effort he's 
he's given on defense. Now, maybe it's because he's he's exerting so much energy on offense, but I just think some of the defensive decisions, although he made a really great play late last night, you know, pounding the ball off R.J. Barrett's knee to give the Wolves possession with like 15 seconds to go. But I think some of the defensive decisions he's made or, or lack of effort and shot selection, I still think the smarts need to come, but but they can come. And I'll continue to say that there are still concerns that I have about Anthony Edwards reaching his full potential here. Like, I think if he hits a ceiling, like we're talking about a perennial all-star. And I just wonder in this environment if he can really maximize his potential. But even if he only gets to 75% of his potential, he is going to be really, really good. Like, I remember talking pre-draft. Didn't we talk about, you know, maybe a, a range of Bradley Beal at the ceiling and like Dion Waiters mm-hmm. at the floor. And we all said the right answer is probably somewhere in between. Like we know he's going to be better than Dion Waiters, but he may not be Bradley Beal. I'll just say that I've seen enough that he could be Bradley Beal. Yeah, I he agree. really could. Now, now I don't know if he'll ever shoot the ball quite like Bradley Beal, but I think he has a chance to be as good perception wise. Like if you took a poll of of league executives, they would probably tell you Bradley Beal is somewhere in that. 10 to 18 to 20 range for best overall player in the league, maybe a little bit higher, maybe 7 to 15 to 17. I think Anthony Edwards, if he hits a ceiling, can be in that range too. Yep, and I and I would say, I you, you check me on the smart comment, and I, I'll, I'm going to walk it back and say, and I'll give you my logic, I think he's a thoughtful, curious player that will eventually lead to him being a heady, smart player. I agree, his shot selection can be weird. It's like, all too often, he'll take nine threes in a game when he doesn't need to, when he can get to the rim. And I will say the reason I use the word smart player, maybe a little bit prematurely, is that I love the way that he breaks things down in his postgame assessments. Like last night, there was a play late where they were running sort of a pick-and-roll motion at the top of the key in like the last couple minutes of that game. And, um, and it looked initially like the Knicks were trapping Ant. And, and and ordinarily, are they're trapping me now? I got to either pick up my dribble or pass the ball. And and he recalled a conversation sort of halfway through the game with one of his teammates. I can't remember if it was Rubio or somebody else, in which they agreed. No, these are sort of fake traps where they they show trap and then they back off. And so if you just give it a second, they'll back off the trap, and now you can just dribble by the defender. Like that's to me, like that's a nineteen year old dissecting what a defense is doing in a key spot and not just oh my God, they're trapping, I'm going to pick up my dribble. So I love that he's thoughtful and curious about some of those actions and how to work off cat and communicate. And it just it feels like he's setting up for a big career at, at a young age here. I think that's fair, yeah. I mean, we can move on to the next talking point. But yeah, Phil, everything you just described, I'm with you. That's that's cool. incredibly fair. How about some rapid-fire scoops to uh, to send it off here? Any any opening day fodder for the Twins? No, not not in particular. I'm, I'm glad that Louis Arise is getting the start in left field. I'm bummed. That with no DH, although next year, if there isn't a lockout, right, the, the CBA expires WDH. in early December. So that's that's something we'll talk about later on yeah. this year. But I think the universal DH is coming. So it's weird that we had it last year. Now we have the pitchers hitting again. So Nelson Cruz, because they're playing in a National League ballpark today, Nelson Cruz is not in the lineup. And presumably he won't be in the lineup Saturday or Sunday. God. He'll make his season debut when they play Detroit, I think they play Detroit as soon as what? Monday, right? So that's that's weird. Uh, but no, I mean, you know, they haven't made any any sort of progress in a Barrios extension, to my knowledge, or or a Buxton extension. So no, nothing nothing that jumps out to me. I saw Garver will start will start a catcher. I'm excited, right? Like 
I'm glad that we'll play 162 games. I'm glad that that stadiums will be able to welcome back some fans. But no, I, there's nothing that's 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 uber percolating in my mind or, or from what I've been told on on the Twins. I can tell you, and I don't have his last name, but his name is Gamali. He's from the University of South Dakota. I think he went to Tartan High School. I think his brother is on is on the Wolf staff. Anyway, there's some buzz about St. Thomas, Johnny Tower, and St. Thomas as they ascend from D3 to D1. That Johnny Tower is looking to hire Gamali. I thought Gamali might be in the mix to join Ben Johnson's staff at Minnesota. And I apologize for, for not having his his last name right here in front of me. It begins with an A. G A M E L I Gamali. And he's an assistant coach currently at South Dakota. But just keep an eye on his name uh, to come home, since he's from here in the Twin Cities, for him to come home and possibly join Johnny Tower's staff at St. Thomas. The other interesting thing is Roy Williams announces his retirement. I thought it was an April Fool's joke, Mm -hmm. but Roy Williams has done it in North Carolina. They have Kerwin Walton Jr. from Hopkins High School on their roster. There's not been any talk about him coming home to Minnesota, but let's see who North Carolina hires as its next head coach. But but the last couple of days, I'm told that Kerwin has actually been trying to work on some some transfers to maybe join him in Chapel Hill. So there hasn't been talk yet of Kerwin Walton Jr. thinking about coming home to play for the Gophers. But I'll be curious to see who replaces the legend, Roy Williams. Also on Dawson Garcia, Prior Lake High School. McDonald's All-American last year. So he just finished his first year at Marquette. He was one of the better players in the Big East. Like, Dawson will play in the NBA. I don't know if he's quite ready for the NBA now, although he may test the waters. I wouldn't be shocked if he tests the waters. But Shaka Smart got the Marquette job. But Shaka doesn't develop big men. Look at Jericho Sims, Minneapolis native, down at Texas. That's another interesting name to keep an eye on if he eventually enters the transfer portal. Would he come home? His dad played for the Gophers, Dr. Sims, Charles Sims. You know, So could Jericho play a fifth year of college basketball, not go pro, and maybe end up back here? But on Garcia, Shaka Smart, like that offense doesn't suit big. So Texas actually offered Dawson Garcia – before anyone else. They offered him, when Shaka was the coach of Texas, they offered Garcia years ago. So Shaka knows Dawson incredibly well. But if you're Dawson, if you're Dawson's family, do you want Dawson playing in Shaka's offense? That's another interesting one to keep an eye on because if he enters the portal, like the Gophers better be all over Dawson Garcia. He is big time. Reckless speculation. Thank you, Doogie. Great you stuff, got it, boys. Bye, Dukes. Appreciate it, Dukes. Absolutely. Right. That's Take it easy. Darren Doogie Wolfson from Five Eyewitness News and the Scoop Podcast, which you can find weekly. Just inside interviews. Uh, and we've even expanded as of a couple weeks ago. A little bonus scoop on Tuesdays on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed. And you can always find almost everything we do on our YouTube channel, too. We have two YouTube channels, Score North MN and Purple Daily Podcast. And I just want, before we get into... Uh, main takeaways from the scoop, and before we get into old tweets exposed, March 2021 was the biggest month in Score North history, and obviously we're sort of just a three-man band here with Doogie, and we got Royce, and we've got some other contributors in the mix, and we added the 10,000 Swings Minnesota Golf Show, which you can find uh, full episodes on scorenorth.com, Apple, Spotify, but like uh, the early part of last year, because of the pandemic and uh, a lot of our friends and coworkers uh, were let go just with with revenue losses. It's been it's been 
a, a fun climb back for us, at least the three of us. And we just want to thank our audience, everyone who listens to Mackie and Judd or Purple Daily and supports our sponsors. Uh, March was the biggest month in Scorn Earth history. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you very much. So pick pick one thing from the scoop. And what was the most interesting thing or compelling thing there from the scoop that, that stood out to you? I'm always like the go for basketball stuff. I'm just sort of mm-hmm. fixated on because I, I love that they've created this community now. Of yeah. Current and former Gophers figures. So that's kind of cool. But what, what else stood out to you? And I, I think the thing with um, the Gophers right now is, you know, with this transfer portal stuff, there's so many unknowns. And is this guy going to I mean, it is it is college free agency now. Uh, I think the thing that stood out to me is the Wolves stuff. And I find this team to be, like, they're still a train wreck. I get that. But I find this whole story with, like, Ant now and D'Lo coming back and Cat being there and Cat still being damn good, but, like, Cat not being an alpha personality. I think this whole thing is going to be really intriguing to watch because this is going to be Ant's team. I mean, I can't tell you enough. When a 19-year-old kid... Basically, and I mean this as a compliment, when he like dictates things as far as guys loving him and and as far as as like he's the face and voice of this team more and more. Like love it. Last night post game, Beasley's about to do his Zoom call and like Ant comes in and says, "We're doing this together." And Bees is like, yep. "Yeah, we're doing this together." And everyone's Dude. like, "Oh yeah, it's great." I, the, he's 19. Dude, did you see, too, sometimes you can tell, like, the, the body language on the Wolves, even when they were winning with Butler, like, you can kind of tell a lot about the direction of a team by body language. And s- sometimes it's a little hard when you're watching on TV or you're watching from the stands. Like, you, you can glean things that might not be correct, but the Wolves have had some pretty bad and oh, yeah. uh, and d- I would say dismissive body language over the years. And Carl Anthony Towns is not a big, like, body language. He hangs his head guy. a lot. Yep. Like yeah, there's a lot of defeatist you know, in in his in what you see from him. Yep. After a whistle. Yep. Yep. He's not like a he's not the brightest like beacon for oh. bringing a team together, right? And I, and I and I mean, you know, it wasn't like Kobe Bryant always was either. But like there was a certain beacon to his personality. And it's the best word I can think of. But mm-hmm. last night, the closing clinching play of that game. Mm-hmm. when I think they were running pick-and-roll action, and Ant Edwards had already driven to the hoop a couple times. He had a floater to, to tie the game at one point. And so Ant drives into the lane, and instead of what I thought he was going to do was sort of barrel into traffic and try to put a shot up and maybe get fouled, which, you know, whatever. Like, at least he's taking the game in his hands. He thought next level. He saw the defender come in from the wing, and he turns to his left and fires a pass to Beasley, who bangs the three to give the Wolves a lead they never gave back. Yes. And after the play was over... Beasley's reaction, like Beasley's reaction wasn't just, oh, I hit a big shot. It was Ant, dude, that was an amazing <laughs> play. Like you saw the defender come in, you kicked it out. Like you, it was, it was a chess match play by a 19 year old and Beasley recognized it and was thumping his chest. And then after the game, David Vanderpool had is celebrated his 39th birthday and you had Beasley and Ant and a couple other guys like, you know, you know, messing up his hair and bringing him in. It feels like Ant has brought this this light to this team that hasn't felt like it existed even when they went to the playoffs a couple of years ago because Tom Thibodeau oh, yeah. and Jimmy Butler were such brow beaters. And Ant doesn't – Ant's thing, too, is that I really think he enjoys this still. Like, this is fun. He's 19, and he's having fun. Where, where like, with Cat – I mean, you, you watch the majority 
of veteran Wolves players. And this is a job. Like, this is a tough job. And the team stinks. And so it's not fun. And and Beasley, and this to me is the most important thing. When things aren't going well and people are down, I think Beasley uh, um, somehow takes on what's going on. And so, like, I've seen him look really down. And his there are times where he just looks like he's defeated. And are you like, saying that Beasley, the Beasley can maybe get a little easily frustrated and take it out on people sometimes. Beasley sort of blows with the wind that the wolves are blowing, but when Ant is going well, he gets excited and engaged, and it's fun to watch. And and so, if D'Lo has that ball last night when Ant did, he takes the shot. Like, there's no question about it. He takes that that shot. And so, this is why I'm so curious to see what the trickle down now is. Of and and I don't, I don't think Cat's going to have a problem. Phil, um, deferring, I really don't. I just I think in his personality, he would almost prefer to defer and still be good. But I don't think he needs that. D'Lo, I'm not so sure about, and and yep. that's the one. But I mean, this is, I think the ship has sailed, and I think this is Ant's team, and it's going to be. So I don't think that that there's a a, a like struggle here. I think there's going to have to be a decision about what D'Lo does and his his role. And as Jim Pete said last night, too, and this applied in what Jim was talking about to Beasley, and it's going to apply to D'Lo as well. You know, when they when they were either suspended or got hurt, Ant wasn't this player yet. Like, he was important, and he was not. But, I mean, he, he has become much more important and much more in part because those two guys were out, a focal point now. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to step back into a situation that has evolved very quickly and is very different. And and I suggest that it would be probably best to allow Ant to be Ant. If you fight it, I think it's going to be a problem. And and fan base-wise, I really think that what Ant brings to the floor is what this team needs. It is such a breath of fresh air to watch him. Um, I just tabulated on basketball reference. So in the last 16 games, so basically the last month and a week for Ant, he's averaging 24 points a game, six rebounds, two and a half assists, two steals, uh, shooting percentage 41. So not amazing, but way better than it was early in the season. The one biggest, easiest tweak he can make to his game offensively He's not a great shooter, and he was very self-aware about this. He, I mean, he talked openly about this yesterday, saying, "I know my my shot's gonna like my shot will come. I will fix it. I will work on it." Like he's very confident. The shot is not there. He gets hot sometimes. Like he'll have he had that one game where he made like six or seven threes against Portland and was just lights out. So in those sixteen games in which he's averaging twenty four points, he has taken at least seven three pointers in fifteen of the sixteen games. He's taken double-digit three-pointers in five of the 16 games. you got to cut that. Like, I want to see him only shoot threes if it's a spot-up off a pass or off a pick-and-roll wide open, and I want to see him cap it at five a game just as an experiment the rest of the year. You get five threes a game, make them wide-open, efficient looks, either Mm -hmm. off a pick-and-roll or spot-up, and then with the rest of those shots, find creative ways to either get to the free-throw line, get to the rim, or draw defenders and kick. You're not ready to shoot ten sure. threes a game, <laughs> so, right? So stop doing it, right? So, but he's not, bo- but he's never boring, and that's what I like. Yep, he's maddening uh, at times, brilliant at times, 
But this franchise needs guys that are like this because they're not boring. Yep. You know what else isn't boring? Riding season, boys. Dennis Kirk supporting us here at Score North and supporting us on the Mackie and Judd podcast. So if you like to ride, it's it's been a long winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, hey, opening day is here. You know, spring signs are in the air. Motorcycle season is back. And so if you ride, whether it's a Harley, Metro Cruiser, Sport Bike, whatever you ride, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets as well. If you order by 8 p.m., they'll ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free on orders over $89. Dennis Kirk is the best in the business. You can find them again at DennisKirk.com. Everything you need for your ride at DennisKirk.com. All right, this is the time where Declan goes back into the Internet Archives there are, um, I want to say, 12 years right. of tweets going back. Judd oh, and I yeah. have been tweeting for a long time. Declan's been tweeting for a long time. Yeah, 2009 for Old us. tweets exposed mm-hmm. here. Declan, what do you got for yeah, us? Yeah, we're, we're a little bit all over the place in this edition. Um, there's some hockey one. There's, there, there's, a, there's a hockey one I want to bring for Judd. There's actually a question I answered from Judd like two or three years ago that I want to bring to the fold as well. <laughs> Okay. Uh, but since it is opening day, happy opening day, and since we had the biggest Kyle Garlic fan in the middle here, Phil Mackey, um, who made his point that, you know, Kyle Garlic made the team over Brent Rooker, and maybe it's because of his defense, but at the same oh, no. time, oh, at no. the same time, what did I on tweet? September 7, 2020, very curious <laughs> to see more Brent Rooker. He was the best hitter in the SEC a few years ago, mashed Friday night pitching too, which is usually the ace. That was a great piece of hitting in that last a B because he had Listen, a couple of I, last I, year. I stand by all those things. For I sure. stand by all those things. I still am very curious to see more Brent Rooker just once the Kyle Garlic era oh, has run its course. That's right. When he's out right <laughs> off the roster here in two months or two months from an outright. By the way, look it's at that. 84 likes. Look at yeah. the engagement on that. 84 that's, likes on that's that. Good. That's a good Bravo. engagement right there, dude. Bravo. All of them were Declan, by the way. Declan had yeah, 84 just burner accounts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, no, doesn't get eighty four likes. Kyle Garlic takes. I'll just uh, so, I'll so you're that. saying you're saying I'm I'm sort of a hypocrite basically for that tweet. Correct. That is I've exactly gone, what ba- I'm gone back on that. All right. That is exactly That's what I'm bandwagon. Saying. All right, it's the Garlic bandwagon. It's the Rooker spring bandwagon. Tra- I've always said spring training numbers are very important. So I don't. <laughs> yeah. I just need to see more. All right. So this was a fifteen hundred ESPN Judd tweet, but I replied to it. So first off, let me go to the question first. With Wiggins having another frustrating game. Give me your top five MN athletes who have had actual potential who drove you crazy. Okay. Here is my list. Okay. Oh, my God. This is from oh 2018. It's great. Pierre Marc Bouchard, which is, he did drive me nuts. Yeah. Francisco Liriano drove me nuts. Yep. Scott Baker. Scott Baker absolutely drove me nuts. Really? Okay. Charlie Coyle, which, oh, I oh mean, yeah. my God. And we'll get to a Coyle tweet uh, foreshadowing with Judd. And then Sidney Rice. I just thought this was a fascinating little discussion of, like, five guys who drove you crazy. This was, yeah. what, three years ago now. But This I'm is ca- less of, like, you being exposed. It's more of, like, Correct. a great sort of look back. Yeah. So I'm curious, you know, we talk a lot on this show about, you know, the gap between reality and expectations is where angst lies. And I would apply that to your putting Scott Baker on this list. What, mm-hmm. what, what about Scott Baker did you like? What did you expect from Scott Baker where you, you weren't getting it and it's driving you nuts? Did you did you see like Max Scherzer in there somewhere and he's not quite getting there? And so you're well, I told you angsty? what at a at that at that bar crawl we did a, t- a year or two ago and we did a live tapping. Like I was in tears when he almost blew that no hitter when he blew that no hitter. <laughs> not almost. He blew the no hitter to Mike Sweeney it, it, of the Royals. 
Was it a he had a perfect game? Didn't perfect he? Like game through, through eight innings. I was watching at the beer oh. garden at 14 years old with my dad. Blue to the TV, yeah. watching Scott Baker. Yeah, perfect through eight. I think he walked. I forget who he walked, and I believe Mike Sweeney, of course, the like ultimate Twins yeah. killer, blooped a little single in the ninth. Scott Baker was actually pr- pretty damn good. He I, was. He I was, always thought he got more from his talent than most did. For sure. And now, Frankie, you're a thousand percent yeah. right. Coyle. Sidney Rice's problem was, aside from the Farbier in 2009, the guy was always hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He was always injured. It drove you crazy. And Charlie Coyle, I mean, that's... Just, oh, yeah. No, Coyle's a... Po- that's, that's he's the poster himself. child. And shockingly, he is he now is doing the same thing in Boston. Yeah. I, I know you guys are shocked. He's underachieving with oh, the Bruins. What a great segue. What a great segue. February 6, 2013, Mike Yo's decision to oh, remove yeah. Heatley from That's, the first line still. and replace him with Coyle was the smart move by Column. My Column. Oh, he drops the Mike Column. Column. My Column. This my was column. In the, well, look, it's 2013. This is in the days of My Column. My, my column. column. Oh, man. You know what? I stand by this because poor Danny Heatley was a broken down old man when they made the, <laughs> uh, I believe it was the Marty Havlet 4th of July trade in 2000 and. Uh, 12. Yeah, 11. Judd, so. can we get you going forward, even on tweets that don't involve a link to my a column? column? Can, you just, my can column. you just end every tweet with my column? Do you remember this was the, this, this at the time was the thing. Was, was the thing. In 2013, you put my story, my column, me, me, me. Yep, and sometimes you would even do all caps for my column. So people oh, know it, it was my column. Oh, if it carried a punch, you did all caps. I would say even some people still do that, even locally. What? My column. My column. Do they really? Oh yeah! Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. No, here's what I did. Here's my ranking. Here's what. Oh yeah, I but no, but my col- but just my column do. period, and then yeah. a link. I feel like too. I had like a resurgence a couple of years ago as well. Like people, you, you always used to do the same joke, like my column with the colon. Oh, but, but the, yeah, because it became a joke. But yeah. in 2013, that was serious bleep. Mm-hmm. That was I, I serious say, stuff. I, I think Judd takes the Judd cake wins. here this week. Yeah, I mean that's uh, my co- I think the my column are. thing really put me over the edge. By Don't the way, combing like combing through. Tweets. I might have like a, a good month's worth of Charlie Coyle tweets from Judd. So I like you might. It might be a next month of Charlie Coyle takes for you. Oh, and it did. Judd, Judd loved the idea. And went up of and Charlie down. Coyle yeah, they did. Upside. They did go up and down. I would they say up and down. the majority of them. Too. You were accurate, but there are some where you you took that apple and you bit it and ran with it. Oh and, well, there were times when there yeah. circa 2013 and 14. There were times when the Wild got on streaks and I bought in. Oh, totally. I I did a whole column one time. This is way back when. It might have been Parisi Suter year one or two where I wrote a column basically saying this team is now is now likable and you can trust them. They're really good. And they went right in the crapper. <laughs> God. The kiss of death. They went right. It wasn't my fault. It's their fault. Amazing. Very upset by that. All right, boys. That was uh, We all need to smoke after that reckless speculation Thursday. There's a lot there. of reckless speculation. Great, great stuff. Um, all right. Tomorrow. We are doing our first ever, so we are expanding the Mackie and Judd Movie Rewind universe. It all started about a year ago, mm. a little over a year ago, with mm. Action Movie Rewind. Mm-hmm. And then we evolved into Rom-Com Rewind. Mm-hmm. And tomorrow, for the first time, Sports Movie Rewind, Judd's first ever viewing of The Mighty Ducks. I watched it last night. I have watched withhold it. Hold your takes. Withhold your takes. Two, wait, tomorrow. wait. Hold on a second. Two and a half solid pages of notes. God. Wow. Two and a half it. pages of notes. Amazing. District so 5, we'll do, baby. We'll do the deep Joshua dive. Joshua Jackson. That's right. Pacey. Deep dive Love tomorrow. Pacey. All right, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for supporting Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily. And we'll, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Good talk.
Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.